I'm Marisol. And I'm Adam. And you are listening to the, the Reading, Reading Aloud, Aloud podcast. podcast. A podcast where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication is explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. In season two, we bring you along on our tour to keep the conversation going. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> New day, new sitting position. <laughs> I I really like the one that you're in. You're like you look like um, a pharaoh. You're like propped up, ready to rule the kingdom here. You know that is so much nicer than Buddha or some of the other things that uh, you know. It's just cool. That's a cool. That feels cool to hear. Yeah. Um, and you've got the cat eye going on. You're like Cleopatra right now, basically. Do you think Cleopatra was ever pregnant? Is she part cat? <laughs> oh, God. I, this, is, this is my favorite part about you. <laughs> the inner workings of your mind really come come out. Like, like you, you know, this is a good podcast already. I can tell the filters are down from Muddy Soul. I'm pretty sleep deprived. <laughs> Um, and we're old, which oh. you, that's, these are your words. We're old. You were like, I can't just lean back on my elbows anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we were you were taking a bath the other day and I was sitting outside of the bathroom like, but, you know, I was like propped up and then uh, like on my shoulders. And then when I got up, I was like, ooh, can't sit like that for a long time anymore. You can't just like lay down and pop right back up. Totally. As okay. I get older. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So um, we need to get right to it. Let's so do it. So I, I have a couple questions for you. So, so, you know, we have been huge proponents of the Bachelor franchise um, and you, it's pretty nuanced as to why it's not necessarily your typical maybe fa- we're not like your typical fan base, but yep. but I have um, you know, I explained in, in many podcasts that The Bachelorette is the reason why we're married. Yeah, I think the one that you did, it was, um, I think we called it You Gotta Look Before You Go or something like that, which was a really obscure title. We might but have changed the title, but either way, yeah. E- either way, it's that one. And you described how yeah, your original connection to it. So, yeah, we've done several episodes, at least have mentioned The Bachelor, Bachelorette, or the whole franchise. Yeah. And now it's going down in fiery flames. Um, You know, depending on when you listen to this, kind of the overarching context is that racial inequality and performative behaviors on the part of the producers and the franchise, uh, proximity to whiteness, lots of different things have been coming up recently. And it's just it's just getting worse and worse and worse in the sense that and better and better and better. And their and their methods of dealing with these underlying cultures of white supremacy that have existed within the show are essentially their their kind of solutions at least as we perceive them from the outside are essentially a tokenization of individuals. Right. So, you know, it's getting worse in the sense that it's it's just becoming clearer and clearer what what's really lying underneath a lot of these a lot of like the producers and the franchise's intentions but that's not a bad thing that's 
that's something that needed to be clarified because it was happening and there's nothing worse in the world than something going on and you can't quite put your finger on it. So now we're putting our finger on it because it's just exposed. But then, and you know, I'm curious, do you feel like you have enough context to have this conversation? What do you mean? Like, do you know enough of what's going on to have this yeah. conversation? Okay. Well, I mean, I probably don't know all the minutia details as you do, but yeah, I, I, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on, on what's going on. Maybe not as much of the deeper analysis of the the history of racism and uh, perpetuation of that on the show as as you do, but oh, that's really only through my lens that, that I see it. But yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lot of people holding and we'll get like you know we'll use names so it's not so vague but there's a lot of people holding folks accountable for their holding bachelor nation and the franchise accountable for their actions or at least attempting to but it's getting so messy and we can talk more about this later adam because this is actually like another vein of it but one of the women who is a, a woman of color who's been an ally and and asking for accountability It has just come out that, uh, you know, between eight to 10 years ago, like over the span of eight to 10, seven to 10 years ago, she posted, she tweeted, and I think she was um, maybe college age at the time, tweeted the most hateful shit I've ever seen in my life. Mm. In my life, like cross section, she got everybody. She called out people for being ugly, for being fat, for being Asian, for being black, for being Jewish, for being um, offended uh, folks who've been sexually assaulted, queer folks. I mean, it's horrible. Are these multiple posts or was this it, just it like a rant? or after another. Oh, one after over, another. Over the course of years. Years. Just how she expressed herself. And so the big thing is, yeah, this brings up things for me. Go ahead. Yeah. So the big thing is, is that, you know, she's being held accountable right now. And she's, you know, I knew after I saw her, so so this came out very yesterday, maybe even, I mean, very recently. And she got right on and was like, went to apologize and did a piss poor job she basically said that you know the this apology is for my BIPOC community and then basically put everybody else in a category of of your if you're not my by BIPOC community then uh, who I've offended um then you are uh, a troll a, a white troll and you're trying to take me down and you're trying to cancel me because you don't like that I've just spent the last few months standing up for what I believe in, in the face of your, right, in the face of your kind of snowy white globe of, of, of the perfect bachelor nation that's, that is crumbling and you're having yep. to wash it. Okay. And, <clears throat> and I'll just say one last thing. Yep. Um, and so I was talking with some girlfriends of mine who were, you know, I mean, it, it there were many things that had nothing to do with me a lot about the race, but the, uh, the ugly comments, the fat phobic comments, um, she said some really serious. Are you going to, who was this? So it's Taylor Nolan, but, and she's a, she's a therapist and she's, um, you know, claims to be sex positive and a sex therapist. And, um, so she's like a big advocate for like body hair, like really, um, claiming body hair on women and things like that. But like, so 
basically she said after this all it you know she said that was then and and now you see like I I didn't need to be held accountable to do my work you actually have been watching me you've watched the product of me having done my work and she said I didn't take those tweets down I knew they were out there because I didn't want to erase my past it just this kind of interesting perspective but anyways I knew as I was listening I was like you are jumping from being accused to wanting the grace just faster than you have allowed anybody else to want the grace Mm -hmm. for their actions. And I said, I said, you, you just got to deal with the fact that we're like sitting over here going, ouch. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of things here. First, before I address that, I want to make sure in this conversation that, we get to our own accountability around the ways that we've kind of played into supporting, I don't know if I'm using all the right language here, but like supporting the Bachelor franchise, promoting it in a way through our podcast and um, haven't done enough and kind of what that means because um, I don't necessarily think looking at it in the past, like it's something we should have never watched ever, but I think that we maybe could have done more and I'd like to have that conversation with you. We have not really had that conversation yet. And so. it's been, and the interesting thing is Adam, it's been brew That conversation has been brewing in me for as long as we've been talking about it, because I know why people don't watch it and I know why it feels really exclusive and I know why it is, it is just this, like, I mean, you know, we're looking at there's not size inclusivity. This, the inclusivity around race is like, it is very apparent that it is tokenized and that, you know, standards of beauty are at an all time high on the show. And ageism has played, uh, has played into the show and heteronormativity, heteronormative, heteronormativity has played into the show. And and all it around, it's it's a pretty narrow display of like it's yeah it's bad, and we've we we have we've talked about why we like it because it's like you know we just we you know we're like oh it's just narrowness candy. of religion too yeah mm-hmm. and it's just like oh it's candy it's fun and it's interesting because the black Chlorettes, um were talking about it and like. You know, the one of the women from that duo said, you know, and you know, she's a black woman, and she said, "Well, we cannot watch it. We can choose not to watch it." She's like, "But that's not really how change is made." And so, there's something that is captivating about the show that you and I, or I'll speak for me, that I have paid more attention to than the problems of the show, and I've just continued to not to ignore the problems because I the cat what's captivating me. And apparently the whole nation is just so strong. Yeah. Um, I guess I personally, I'm trying to orient in the conversation here. Let I feel like we should just go with that because you just kind of started on it. We'll, I'll come or back around to Taylor and thoughts on that. So there's an interesting thing uh, that, that I have struggled with when, when doing work around racial justice, which is this like, you know, it's a little bit of like a, a bypass syndrome where, you know, one of the reasons, let's take, for example, I really like Valentine's Day, is because it's a day that we have to celebrate love. That analysis allows me to overlook all of the bullshit that is Valentine's Day. 
because love, like this word, this idea, kind of circumvents all of that. And it allows me to focus on something else. And I think that sometimes we struggle with that, or I struggle with that a little bit in racial justice work. And I think that looking at The Bachelor, because one of the reasons that I personally liked The Bachelor is I'm a romantic. I'm a total romantic, and I love a good love story. Like, you were laughing at me the other day. Speaking of a show that's uh, that's awesome and totally inclusive and showing an underrepresented population, we were watching Pose the other day, and you know the beach scene where the guy and you were laughing because you were looking at me. I, when, I would never laugh at you. Or not laughing, like um, not making fun of me laughing, but like smiling uh, I was, at me. I was asking. Um, because when 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 he was kissing her and then I was just like, I was dying. I was melting. Oh, I was no. like making no, the I kissing. Did. I made, I laughed at you because you turned your head to the right. Like you oh, were yeah. being kissed. Right. I mean, I was so deeply into that scene. And if you're a fan of Pose like we are, you just know what I'm talking about on the beach. Anyway. Um, so I, all that's to say I'm a romantic. I love love. And that was one of the reasons that I really liked The Bachelor. And it isn't we didn't recognize some of these issues but when we talked about it on our podcast and with our friends and with our other friends who love The Bachelor, we kind of just set them aside. Privilege. And that's a privilege. Exactly. Um, an ability to ignore what was happening was a privilege, and we bypassed that because there was this connection to love and the you know a relationship and the beginning of a new relationship and that kind of like honeymoon period that we so were attracted to that aspect of the show. So I just want to say that. And like, I wish we would have done a better job of when we talked about it, really naming and calling those things out and talking about from the start, not only what we liked about the show, but ways that it could have improved and that we wish it would have done better in this and found more ways to communicate about it in that way. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. We given a nod to the, the heteronormativity of it and to, the fact that it doesn't work <laughs> in most instances, it's not sustainable love. Um, and that is like, not, that's, that's scratching the surface, you know? I mean, it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm with you. Like I, I have struggled to contend with, you know, do I not watch because it's not inclusive? And the answer is like, again, like in the, this woman, this from the bachelorettes said like, that's not necessarily how change happens. Like we actually need to, like what's happening now is so uh, on the back of, of the, this real clear awakening for a lot of white people around black lives matter in June of 2020, you know, the first step is that they went and they just like, at random they didn't even pick one of the amazing contestants as they do they pick from the contestants that they've had on the show previously to be, be the new ba bachelor or bachelorette but they didn't do that they picked like a brand new person it's clearly tokenized he's realizing that more than ever right now and it's a step in a direction and it was it was done and it was done superficially and so you know now what's happened is because of that and because of everything else that's come through it's like it's finally 
like it's finally being exposed. Had we all extracted ourselves from the show, it would be going on perpetuating toxicity because only the few people who it aligned with would be watching, but we're committed to the show and it doesn't align with our values. Therefore, there's this urgency to participate in holding them accountable for change. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it's um, creating opportunity. We want to see more types of love. Right. We want we want more people to be included. We want right. everyone to be included who can fall in love, who wants to fall in love. So do, is that what, in your opinion, is that what accountability looks like for the Bachelor franchise? Is that, you know, that the show in and of itself changes does it does it broaden its scope you can't you can't keep these stereotypes running and like if you were to do any kind of dei diversity and and equity training or any kind of inclusivity training or any kind of um like holding them accountable around fat phobia or like particular looks that they rely on to be to to fit the the tiny niche that their cast is you can't ask people to do more about that and then still have the show be the same right right for sure for sure I guess it's just an interesting aspect to me because it's like how do we we're holding a like an, an an entity accountable right this isn't this isn't a person, you know, Bachelor isn't Chris Harrison. So we're holding a TV show accountable. And then that TV show is tied to a network, right? So it's tied to ABC. And, you know, what we see through the screen is going to be a representation of the work that we're doing. So I think one of the things that, so I, I say this because one of the things that comes up for me in how to hold a, a, a franchise accountable is for Bachelor the franchise. So its brand, the Bachelor brand, its social media accounts, its email list, its Instagram following, its, you know, it is, its reach and its brand needs to start demonstrating the ways in which it's learning as a franchise it also needs to start taking stances on things around racial and social justice it needs to start inspiring those on the screen because i think that one thing one of the problems that it it had in the first place was the fact that it was trying to address the issues that had arisen and that they knew were there by kind of like, um, you know, and we've, we've mentioned it like tokenizing, but it was like by trying to kind of just like tip of the cap to it on the screen. You know, there was a tip of the cap to it here. There's like Tasha had one conversation about the protests in there, and she probably had more, to be honest, but they aired one conversation about that. But all the rest of the brand wasn't actually communicating that and I think that that's so important it kind of comes down to like you know this you're not doing your work by trying to like go get a black friend or something like that right like that's not actually addressing the systemic nature of these issues and so I think that that's 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 how we need to you know hold them accountable and and one of the ways is just like when there's an issue 
Bachelor Nation, we need to demand as viewers that they speak out on it. What's their position on this? We want to see your position on it. We want to see you take an active role. And what if their position is is not on the right side of history? Then I think that we then continue to take in that information and need to make decisions on whether or not we support it with our eyeballs on the screen anymore. Mm-hmm. But we're not there yet. They just have been silent. And that is something that they have been silent. And they have continued to be silenced. And that silence is coming back around because basically because when somebody spoke up, the figurehead of the show, Chris Harrison, about an issue that was happening, he showed some true colors. And it showed what that silence really was. You know, what that yeah, silence what was, was hiding, it. what mm-hmm. was underneath it. And then that really opened people's eyes. And so, you know, it's just we I, th- I guess I'll sum up by saying this in that we need to look at I think that we need to look at the, the Bachelor as a franchise as kind of, you know, it is an entity. And that whole entire entity needs to change, not just what we see on the screen on Monday nights. That's my point. Right. Well, and I right. should have said that from the beginning. No, to no, be concise, it's great. But yeah. It's great. It's great, babe. I mean, that's this is the reading aloud podcast. Is like you know, I didn't come into this knowing what I was going to say. I wanted to talk it through with you, and I and I, you know, my my next question is like, what are we, what are we going to offer our listeners right now? Like, what are we offering? I mean, you know, the, always the opportunity to hear us talk through an issue that we don't have firm or clear thoughts on um, or that we just want to talk through together. But what else are we going to offer? Because I think that there's reparations on our part as well around our complicity and our silence. Um, and the stuff with, with Taylor, you know, that's recent but you know we've been needing to record this podcast for two two three weeks now around what chris harrison said and about rachel kirknell and her um participating in the antebellum what was it a prom party something in the antebellum parties and what that means you know, and how Chris responded and how, you know, the, the other big thing is that Rachel Lindsay has, has um, turned off her social media accounts because she was getting such, such hate. Like she couldn't even, I mean, you know, like, like if you remember the point, I mean, and I'm grateful that social media is like a, an outlet and an opportunity to learn and to educate and to grow, etc. When it started, it was supposed to be fun and people are getting bullied off of social media because they're, they're talking about what they know to be true and what is true for them and what they believe in and their values. And then they don't get the space to post pictures and enjoy you know, social media, the way that you can enjoy social media. And maybe I'm tone deaf to what social media really means right now, but it's, you know, Rachel Lindsay, it was, I mean, I'm, people just came for her. And if you saw the interview with her and Chris Harrison, she sat, she just sat there. I was, and she, she later said, well, I wasn't going to interrupt him. This was gold. He was, he was sharing 
every truth about himself, everything that he really truly believed. And the more I interrupted and tried to educate, you know, the less we were going to hear of his true colors and we just needed to hear it once and for all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she didn't go after yeah. him. No, no. And it shows that if, if she did in that, just speaking to that specific situation, if she did kind of argue with him in that moment, the story would have been about her and the not about him. The story is still about her, but you're right, even in the way that I phrase that. Well, the yeah, the initial, right. I mean, it was about, you know, I th- well, I guess my perception was the initial story was about what Chris Harrison said to Rachel Lindsay, right? Um, it wasn't like what Rachel Lindsay said. It wasn't Rachel Lindsay puts Chris Harrison in his place. It was Chris Harrison's, you know, showed his true colors. I think we do have, and I guess I'm just curious to ask, what is, you know, what you asked, what are we offering to our audience? And I think we're offering first an apology that we did not, when we talked about the, the, the franchise, that we did not give enough time towards ways in which the franchise could improve. Because the fact is, people listen to this podcast. We get tons of downloads every month. And if we're talking about ways in which the Bachelor franchise can improve, then those folks are talking about it. And we're contributing. It's not saying we're changing it, you know, single-handedly. But we have a following, we have an audience, we have a platform, and we needed to be using that platform to help make the Bachelor franchise better. And that didn't need to be all the conversation. It, we didn't need to focus 100% on talking about the ways that systemic racism infiltrates um, or perpetuates through the, the, the Bachelor franchise. But it needed to be much more of a part of the conversation than we were having. And so right. we, we owe our audience an apology for that. Yeah, my apology is just for minimizing the problems and highlighting the parts that, that felt relevant to our podcast and our store, our story of meeting and all that. Like just like focusing on what mattered to us and not what matters most. Right. Yeah. And I, and I am sorry for that. I am. And I, it's been, it's been eating at me for a while. I think size inclusivity with the work that I do has been a big, a big element of it. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, one of the many things that Taylor said many times was calling people fat. And I, you know, and and, you know, one of my girlfriends was like, uh, kind of giving her the benefit of the doubt, like, because she, she is not, she does not appear to be the person that she was in those tweets and in a lot of ways. And even her, even though she was a little too quick to apologize and I had a feeling she would, she would recognize that her apology was harried and that because of that, it was defensive and, and not as thoughtful as it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, you know, I kept watching her, you know, wanting to show up, which is, which is a beautiful thing to be courageous enough to not like to say, I want to show up for this, like it's happening. But I also felt that an element of that was trying to do damage control and, um, being really quick to defend herself and just like not giving herself that spiritual time to pause, like to pause and reflect. I mean, 
you know when this, you get an email. This, this, this is it right here. This is what I was wanting to talk about earlier, too. And, you know, I don't want to move on too quickly from holding ourselves accountable. But, like, so I just, you know, maybe we'll come back around to that. But just to, to go on this thread, this is what I wanted to talk about. Like, this is one thing with, I think, what I see, my own perception of a lot of folks on in a reality TV world, and this includes the producers too, is that this work that we're doing as a country, as a world, as individuals, as businesses and companies and communities, is not a fad. It's not something that you commodify. It's definitely something that people are treating like a fad. It's definitely something that certain industries are working to commodify. We experience the same thing in my work around healthy masculinity. How companies targeting men with, you know, now healthy masculinity ads, it's just like now we're starting to commodify it. It's the same thing with equity work and racial justice work. It's, it's not a fad. And so, therefore, it's not something that you can just jump on and off the bandwagon. It's something that is, as you were just saying, it's deep spiritual work. This is spiritual work because it's so deeply ingrained in our not only in our conditioning as people, but in our our genetics as as a, what which, is it which, um, DNA like right, which is generational spiritual. trauma yes which is spiritual because you know we we think as humans that we can just think our way out of our problems but this is this is like like the insight and the depth with which we change is something that we have to collaborate with the universe on like, and if yeah, yeah exactly and if somebody like Taylor was truly doing that. This is where, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm calling them out here a little bit. And, and I recognize that I don't know them and I'm not, I don't know who they are and I don't know the whole details of the journey. And I know less than you, in fact, but from my very outside perspective, that being acknowledged, it feels like, it sounds like they've taken some stances and they've allied with certain people around issues and they've, you know, they've probably done but if they were truly doing that deep work, the first things that they would be doing was coming out with apologies for those previous tweets instead of saying, I left them up there because I didn't want to erase the past. Well, why would – like why have you not apologized and confronted and been vulnerable about that acknowledging where you were from the beginning? You should have done that the first thing that you should have done. That was the first thing you should have addressed. That's the first thing you should have allied, you know, and and done work around racial justice, been public about on your platform. Because it felt like a fad or it felt like something to just ally and say, yay, Black Lives Matter. You know, I'm going to change my profile picture to this, but I'm not going to do anything else in my life. It is. Yeah, it is deeper. Like she's been one of the like bigger advocates for holding folks accountable. And, and I think that there's been, um, a lot of appreciation from the black community, from the folks on the show, like from like a lot of people have said, you know, please continue to listen to Taylor. She's doing, you know, she's doing the heavy lifting. Well, I'm glad that she had the language down, but it's, it's crazy to me that she, that that we're also just finding out about these like it and and that's a thing like if you're if you're truly there like if you're truly doing the work on a spiritual level you're bringing up things 
that are troublesome from your past in your in your public way like that 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 creates real relationship when you're like dating somebody seriously you're not just like focusing on all the things that you're doing well at the moment you're also bringing up your difficulties and you're working through those that's what creates a deep relationship we all know that it's so interesting because you know you put if i were to invite like if i were to say to her like a year ago, you should have brought out these tweets and been like, look who I was and look who I am today. Um, and let's talk about how I am transforming. Right, how I got here. Yeah, how I got here. If you, if she had done that, I mean, Instagram is like both a deep place and the most superficial freaking place on the planet. And it's like, but it's interesting because you get slayed. Yeah, but... You, yeah, but but you have to recognize you have to recognize that, and maybe she does. You have to recognize like who your authentic relationships are. There is something about haters on social media. That's it's not for them. It's not for it. You're always gonna get flack there. But like you're you know people are always going to misconstrue what you what you were saying. But like the reality, the truth, the deeper connection and relationship that you're building, you have to think about it in the long game. Yeah, you're going to get some hate in that moment, but when this moment comes up, now's when you're needed. And now's when she could have made a bigger impact. But no, she chose to hide that, not necessarily hide it as in she didn't delete it, but she didn't go public with it then, and then here's the price now. So it's always going to come back around. And, and, and that's about taking the high road. That's about being on the right side of history. And I think we all know that. But if we continue to treat this work like something that we can capitalize on in the moment or a fad and not see the bigger picture, then it's going to come back around and you're going to be exposed eventually. So I recently watched something from, the, from one of the women who hosts the podcast, Two Black Girls, One Rose. And she came on and was like, ouch, Taylor, it, it, this, the, we're hurting. You have hurt everyone under the sun, practically. And we're hurting. And it must be really difficult. She said, it's so interesting because this is the reverse experience. Normally people are quiet, 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 hiding, hiding, hiding. Something comes out, then they get remorseful. They do the work, right? She said, this Taylor has done the work and then it came out some, some stuff, a lot of stuff. And it's the reverse. She's like, we don't see that very often. So there's something to that. And, and also, ouch, we're in pain over what you've shared. And so then this woman who hosts the podcast, who's a black woman said, uh, she, she shared on her story. She said, I recall a time in college looking at a photo of an, another woman that I went to school with who had gone natural with her hair and look, and my friend and I kind of commiserating like, Ooh, that's not a very good look on her. Like kind of dogging, not even just her, but like it wasn't specific to her and how she looked. It was that natural was, it was about being natural. 
And then this woman has, you know, the woman who, who had said that has gone natural with her hair. And it's been this, so she was like this internalized hate that I then turned around and gave to one of my fellow black women. You know, she's like, I'm still learning about people in my own history because it's been hidden from me. My own history has been hidden from me in the history books in on television, etc. And I have internalized my own self hate and given it out. And so, you know, I'm on this thread with my friends and was having similar reflections around, you know, thinking about being bullied as a kid and then finally feeling like you, you, you find a friend group where you feel like you're on the inside and how quickly you try on those armors of power. Like, okay, now that I have perceived power, can I use it? Can I use it? Do I get to use this power? It was used against me. I'm mad. I'm resentful. I'm hurting. It's like when kids say no or I hate you to their, your parents and they're so little. It's like you, you, it's, it's inherent to want to use the power that you think you have. And with women, it's, it's just really, really deeply ingrained to pit women against each other. It's very, very important to recognize that women have been taught like it's a competition. And so there's a lot of cutting people down and judging people with your friends or in your own mind and, and comparing yourself to them. And so it, it's interesting it was interesting that then this woman from Two Black Girls, One Rose said, you know, outed her own experience with with being hurtful. Yeah. And th- and that and thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing that passion. I really you're you're really inspirational around around this to me. Um, it's it's vulnerability to it, it is how I personally sum up a lot of what you said. Like and if you're not being vulnerable in this work and in efforts to address the systemic issues in our country and in ourselves and in all the asset or uh, facets, if you're just saying, yeah, 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 I know that, or, oh, now I've learned to say the right thing in the right situation, and you're not being vulnerable about your own contributions, particularly as a privileged white person, for me, particularly as a straight white male, then I still got more work to do. Vulnerability is so key, so key in, you know, at least that's my perception. Like that's my, you have to be vulnerable. You, you, it's, you can't, I think you can't just know, yeah. you know, you, 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 yeah, I think open, I think, okay. So here's what I think I want to contribute to yeah. our listeners yeah. as we think about wrapping up is that when, when you're talking about vulnerability, like there have been people who have done wrong that we'll just use bachelor nation. There are people who have done wrong, who have, who have waited to apologize. There are people who have done wrong, who have allowed like their PR people to craft an apology. There are people who jump to apologizing and end up with egg on their face because they're overly defensive. I mean, she's already since apologized for how quickly she had previously apologized Taylor. And, you know, there's all these different variations and there are a lot of people who are scared to say something in bachelor nation because their, their income is reliant upon their affiliation with, the, with the franchise and all of that. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, what was so difficult watching Taylor 
in her apology was her her physical posture and so so that initial thing of like this is for my BIPOC people and if you're not that you're everybody else and so this isn't for you and I'm thinking what about the fat white people that you insulted? What about the women who have been sexually assaulted that you offended? What about the people with mental health issues, which I can't even repeat what she said about that. Cause that, that just plucked such a deep string with me as a fellow therapist. I, I was, I was brought to tears and you know, what about those folks? Like if you don't fit into that category and you know, she posture, you know, posture and she was like, and y'all are canceling me as fast as cancel culture can cancel. And like, you know, you could tell that she was sorry. I mean, you could tell that she knew she had done wrong, but she was very focused on the fact that she has come so far and she just needed you to know that, that, that like you were missing the point that it wasn't like, a to B, it was A to Z and she was at Z and she was really just centering herself, herself in that and just super focused on really maintaining this perception that she was better than those tweets. Mm -hmm. And all I wanted was for her to fumble on about a hundred words and just go, what a mess I've made. You know, and, and even people said like, Hey, Hey babe, like people were kind. Some people were kind like, Hey babe, you say you left those tweets up because you didn't want to erase your past. But there's also the truth that, that they continue to hurt people as, as those folks read them. Like I was hurt personally by some of the things she said, because I fit into some of those categories that she was, that she was talking about. And I, and I, you know, that was you know it was hard it was so hard to read mm -hmm. and so that's what I, that's my takeaway is like i just want like more messiness like you know yeah. some pe the people who have like clearly rehearsed their apology i'm tired of you her that like is just like firing off with all the right words and all the right way i'm tired of you like be met. You can feel it when somebody is just like, like looking you in the eyes and saying, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to do something. Let's do it together. Mm -hmm. It's different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, you know, when you were saying that it's a good reminder for, I think situations like this, they, when, and as we're talking about the bachelor franchise and these kind of very public figures and, tens of thousands of comments on a social media post and running in news outlets and things like that. It feels very big, right? But these type of situations also happen in your everyday life. I know situations where you've called me out on something that I've done wrong, and I've immediately come back and said, yeah, but I've been doing all this work on this, and I've gotten so much better. And that may be true, but it's still a matter that I screwed up in that situation. And so I just use that. We don't need to go into that, but I, I just use that as an example of there are ways in which these kind of this kind of vulnerability, this kind of realness, this kind of messiness that you're talking about, which I love that like the visualization of that shows up in our everyday lives. And, you know, that would be my charge to us. And to folks that, you know, are listening is like, let's be a little more raw and real and messy in our lives. Let's not try to either say the perfect thing or don't say anything. Just 
say what's really how you really feel and in that let the grace and forgiveness and mutual connection and mutual healing of the situation begin so with so you know one of the things that i don't feel like i do very often um and maybe because the stakes aren't so high but like you know, we we're we're fairly public facing, but I don't feel like I'm super ed, super highly edited about it. And so, if there's something we've said in this podcast, like I just want to navigate that. You know, like if we said something in this podcast that didn't really sit well for folks, um, or in some way, you know, perpetuated hurt. Um, I you know I just I'm I. I feel like I'm, I'm here for it. You know, I want to, I want to, I mean, of course I'd be embarrassed. Um, I would be remorseful. I would probably have a thought of, I wish that hadn't happened. I may even think, why did I say something so stupid? How come I couldn't see it then? Um, but you know, like let's you and I commit to that spiritual practice of, of pause and reflection. And, you know, I think, this is a slightly separate note, but it's applicable here. And is that, you know, in these last few weeks of being pregnant, I have felt really ungrounded and not very connected to the present moment. Cause I've been so focused on these to do the to-do lists and I haven't had the energy to commit to work and the to-do list. So I'm just like forever behind. And one of the things ever since we got discharged from the high risk team is that, you know, my connection to prayer and pause, you know, I, I'm just not as present in the moment. And so I feel... Meditate for 20 minutes a day, and if you don't have 20 minutes, meditate for an hour. That's right. It's the best. And I just feel like recommitment, like I, I know what spiritual and conscious contact and all of that, what that leads to. So I want to I wanna just come back to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I need, I've yeah. been dying to come back to it. So grateful. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for this conversation. It's I mean, I, I think that I think that we as also, you know, watchers of The Bachelor Show when when, you know, we need to be more public and demanding more. And so, you know, I also just want to state that we are going to continue to hold this franchise accountable. We are going to continually assess our support through viewership of the franchise and I expect to see and I demand and and call to action ABC and the Bachelor franchise to show us visibly through both the television show on Monday night and through your brand and uh, media reach what you are doing to address these systemic issues. We demand to see action, and we want to see that from this franchise. Excellent. All right. What do I look like now? Um, right now, you look like Queen Victoria. I don't know. You just look like a queen. You're like ruling. You have wide legged. You know. You're so just funny a goddess. Is, you know, she, was, she was on The Bachelor. Oh God. I. It's, you. I mean. It's a free association. It's funny. All right. Love you, babe.
Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.